Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds, a show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. A show that's always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. And uh, I'm super happy to be here. Happy New Year, my first show of 2021, and uh, recording this in the middle of a big insurrection. So definitely a good night to talk about fish, fishing, and eating fish. And I'm lucky tonight because I have a special guest. Mr. Christopher DeVos is your host of Podcast 42, the world's most popular pop culture radio comedy show on the internet. Christopher, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I don't know if lucky is the right word, but... I was available. <laughs> that's my, 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 <laughs> that's how I decide who to have on the show. Who's available. Like, my oh, schedule is free. So pick me, pick me. So you, you make it the, uh, the, uh, the podcast 42 and you want to give us a quick like elevator pitch for that podcast. Yeah. It's kind of a weird show. What we do is we, uh, pick a subject in pop culture history and then we go over the history of that subject, but we kind of insert ourselves into a little radio play. And uh, it's supposed to be funny, but it's a lot of fun. You know, a lot of, a lot of podcasts that are, that, are, that are supposed to be funny are also <laughs> fun. And, and it, I always find if it's, funnier for the ho- if it's fun for the host, it's fun for the audience. You know, yeah, you're enjoying yeah. it. You can't fake it. So, well, that's cool. We've, uh, we've actually achieved the milestone where we've been around so long that we can do the inside jokes and the audience gets it. So really? that is like a proud moment for me when people are like, oh my gosh, you just referenced that. I'm like, yes, you listen. You really listen. You're there. We have a few of those there. But so what you're saying is you don't have any new listeners. No, they're all old timers. <laughs> They've been all Same people I've been paying for. Yeah. For five years. Yeah. Fishner's the same way. Our, our crew has been with us for quite a long time. Most of them, we have some new people coming every week, but we're happy to see them. So we're going to talk to you a little bit. Also, uh, we've got the crappie hippie and the pond lady with us to do talk pond. They found a new alien animal and they're going to talk about that for a long time. It's going to get real nerdy, real fast. Uh, and we're going to do the news. So a lot of fun tonight on the fish nerds podcast. In fact, why don't we just, um, why don't we jump in with get the promos out of the way and then we can get into the into the show. Do you know this promo? I do know this promo. You are now listening to the world's most popular I have to update it. history podcast on Spreaker, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and everywhere fine podcasts lurk. It's podcast 42. Damn, son, where'd you find this? I just went ding, ding, ding with my mouth. Hello, this is I don't know, Chris. Why don't you ask the animals? I don't believe anyone has called you a tiny horse tonight. Like, 
little bitty ones, like pop them in your mouth and you're done. We call it the Rambo Slambo. But then again, it was all about me and I love me, even dead me. Because I need to endorse products that are family friendly. Like the Jello, like the orange Jello, like the yellow Jello, like the Jello jigglers, like the floop and the floop and the floop floop flop. Listen for free on Spreaker.com backslash podcast 42. Well, there you have it. I can't decide if I want to listen to, listen to the show or not after hearing that. It's, that's why the promo's so long. So if you decide not to listen to the show, you've actually listened to the show. You've been fooled into it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I love podcasts. Who's got recommendations and set? That was quick. Do you like comedy? What about movies? Pop culture. Um, yeah. Do you like animals? What about science? Well, yeah. Eating plants? What about writing, snacks, rambling, and rant? Well, I... Making improv and interviews, Canadians, Australians, voting forecasts and super views, ladies, gentlemen, cretins, or comic books, script reads, bad TV, heads that shut, perfectly big packages popping up, podcasts pointing people to discover other podcasts. Yes. Fantastic. Check out the Podfix Network podfixnetwork.com at podfix on twitter official underscore podfix on the gram plus check out podfix presents wherever fine podcasts are found the podfix network artist owned and loved well there it is podfix network and i'm on that network now i feel like the new kid finally yeah welcome <laughs> welcome We're glad to have you yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun other shows on there that we that i, I know we have a lot of overlapping audience with the uh, varmints who are mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners are there too. All right, so we're going to do, uh, let's jump right into the news right away and get that out of the way. Then we can talk about the pond lady and the crappie hippie. Sound good to you? Yeah. Everybody loves fish in the news. And so, you, Christopher, you were saying you don't really fish. No, I, I love to eat fish. My wife, unfortunately, is allergic, so I have to sneak out and eat it on my own. But if I could just eat fish and seafood, I'd be a happy boy. All right. Well, so what's your favorite fish to eat? Um, I like them all. Uh, recently, I've been uh, having a resurgence with salmon, where I kind of avoided salmon forever because it seems like every restaurant – We'll do salmon because the price point's right. Right, it's cheap. It's cheap, and they make money on it. I'm like, salmon? Okay, you got salmon on your menu? Great. Yeah, well, how about something new? <laughs> but uh, lately, I've been all about the salmon, especially on a on a wood plank. I don't know what it is. Cedar plank salmon, maple? I'm there. Oh, yeah. well, I, I, it's funny because this year for Christmas, I gave out cedar planks with a salmon recipe to, for my family. So they got, they got maple syrup that I made myself, a cedar plank, and then a recipe on how to make a spice rub. And you do the spice rub onto the salmon. Then you pour the maple syrup all over the top of the salmon. And you plank it. And that sweetness with that spicy, spicy rub is yeah. perfect with the salmon. Cooked medium rare. It's delicious. You said you made your own maple syrup? I, I, yeah, I make my own maple syrup every year. It comes out of the trees. It's free. You just drill a hole in a tree. It drips into a bucket. And you boil it. You're done. Really? That's it? It's it. There's no ingredients. You just boil it. Oh, well, I'm in Florida. I can't, I can't tap a palm tree. 
Maybe you can. <laughs> <laughs> I should try it just so the neighbors hate me even more. You'd be really funny putting all these spy, splines in your, in your, your what, what part of Florida are you in? Orlando. Orlando. The, yeah. the part of Florida. The, the, the only part of Florida that counts. Yeah, my parents Orlando are, and Key West. Yeah, my parents are in Tampa, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> all right. Our first, our first story is not about Florida at all. It's from the independent.co.uk. Uh, the headline is, man pulls 19 hand grenades out of the river while magnet fishing. Are you familiar with magnet fishing? Uh, no, I'm guessing that you uh, like a wily e. coyote gigantic magnet. You're and right then the you money. feed the fish magnets and you pull it out like that. <laughs> yeah, well, we actually, we actually, we've done whole episodes on this and I do some magnet fishing myself. You take these giant magnets that can hold like 75 or 80 pounds, tie a rope around them, chuck them in the river and you pull them in, you see what pieces of garbage you pull out of, out of the river. And almost always you're pulling out garbage, old nails, people's old phones, all just junk. And then once in a while you find treasures and that's the hope. People have found... Uh, like antique guns, they found uh, safes with money in them, and this person in the UK found hand grenades. So the intention is not to pull fish. Nope, you're just fishing for junk. Pulling junk. So kind of like the old man with the uh, metal detector, except you're in the water. That's exactly right. It's getting more and more popular every year. Bomb disposal experts are called out on site on the outskirts of Birmingham after an angler pulled out 19 grenades out of the river. Now, just kind of, if it's me, I pull out a grenade, right. I'm done. Running. <laughs> I'm not going for the second one. If I get to 14, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's too many grenades. Uh, but Shay Williams was using a magnetic device in the River Tame near Sutton in an effort to find an old fishing lure he had lost when he began hauling up grenade. He really wanted that lure back, hauling yeah. up grenade after grenade. The 42-year-old said he realized it might be best to contact the police. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Yeah, after he realized uh, they, were, they were World War II grenades and they still had their pins in place. So that's fun. Uh, police officers then evacuated the stretch of the river and they called in the bomb squad. Uh, Mr. Williams was disappointed because he could not keep their grenades afterwards. It was found out they did not have any explosives in, anymore, but the bomb squad took them all anyway. And that's kind of the whole story. But uh, now I used to work in a fish cannery in New Jersey. Uh, and the way, that, the way that worked is the, these big boats would go out in the ocean. They would dredge the bottom of the ocean with these huge cages, and they'd bring them right to the cannery. They'd dump all the, all the clams onto a conveyor belt, and they would roll down the belt. And, ever so, and, and every 10 feet in front of us on the belt, as we're shucking clams, which is an awful job, by the way, there's a, there's a cement, cement drum with a giant explosive sign on it. And ever so often, someone yells, down, hits a button, the line stops, we all duck, and they throw that, whatever they found, into the cement buckets because grenades were commonly found off the Jersey Shore. Oh, my gosh. And those were just meant to throw them in there so they can explode and get back to work. Oh, the monsters. I know, I know. It's from the old wars. But none of us ever found an actual grenade. There was like rocks full of garbage. But it was really fun to yell grenade, hit the button, and, or yell down, hit the button, and dump, duck behind the, uh, behind the clams for safety. But well, it's a good thing they didn't let them keep the grenade because I just recently watched uh, the Richard Jewell story, the guy who 
say, the Olympics, the Atlantic Olympics. Mm-hmm. And then he was accused of of actually bombing it instead of saving it. Oh, no. And one of the, one of the reasons why the police found him suspicious because he had grenades, like real grenades, but they were like souvenir grenades and they didn't have all the parts in them. So that's probably why the police told him he couldn't keep it. So right, because he bombed somebody. They're going to assume he's going to do that or he's going to go march on Washington. Right. One of those, either one of those two things is bound to happen. <laughs> Here it is zero. Zero to zero. Here it is zero in a second. Yeah. But I mean, it must have been really interesting and it's, and he got famous from it. So that's, that's our first story there. Have you ever found anything weird in a river? Nope. I tend to avoid the rivers. We have, uh, I, I'm from Ohio originally and I can't remember if we had these in Ohio, but we have retention ponds down here because the, the ground is so you can't dig into the ground. Mm-hmm. So when it rains, the rain has to, the rain doesn't also really soak into the ground. It has to collect in these pools of water. And I don't remember them in Ohio. They could have been, but I was really young. Yeah. I've but seen those all over Orlando. Re- What's that? I've seen those all over Orlando. I've tried fishing yeah. them too. I've caught fish in them. Yeah. They put fish in them and stuff yeah. like that, but they always smell. So I try to avoid anything that's not a pool. Mm. That's probably smart. I, I caught fish in the one in right in front of Bass Pro Shops in Orlando. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I and I was staying on a golf course, and I fished in all the golf course ponds and caught tons of fish too. Oh, that's was, dangerous. Why is that? Alligators. I know. I saw an alligator. So so here's a day. I was fishing in a golf pond, and I was catching carp using an ice fishing rod. So my rod's two feet long. I was using four pound test, and I'm trying to reel the carp in. He's fighting and fighting and fighting, but I can't get him to shore. But so I have to get in the water to get him off the hook. And there's an alligator like eight feet from me. Mm-hmm. I was so happy. So I got in the water. I got the fish off. The alligator never cared one bit what I was doing. He might have been full. So you might have been lucky, but they love golf course ponds, alligators. I imagine. He wasn't that big, though. He's only like three feet long. That would still bite your face off. <laughs> I've been so cool. All right. <laughs> it's hard to podcast without a face. I know. You mumble a little bit. All right, our next story is from Fly Lords Magazine, and this is actually a real fishing story. The headline is, Fly Fishing Team Wins 178 Boat Bass Tournament Outfishing Conventional Tackle Teams. That is an impossible headline to make sense of. And what may be the biggest upset in American bass fishing tournament history, a fly rod helped take home first prize as the Wild West Bass Trails, WWBT, Lake Shasta Tournament on January 2nd. Anglers Ryan C. Williams is partner, Logan McDaniel, took home the overall W in the Big Fish Prize Tournament. They did it using fly rods. And this is, that's the whole story. This is notable because bass fishermen, and I, fisher people, excuse me, they want to offend you, Christopher. Um, but bass fisher... Noted. Yeah, you got it. Bass fisher people are hardcore anglers, and they really fish using one kind of rod almost always, which is a bait caster rod. And they're using super heavy test, throwing giant lures that look like, you know, a Chevy married Lady Gaga and had a baby, like just this crazy looking stuff. And so fly fishers don't usually fish in bass tournaments. It's not, it's, it's almost like a mismatch. And so to see a fly fisher do that, it's kind of a, kind of a big deal thing. And it was bound to happen eventually. But uh, I'm sure they got made fun of a lot before they finally catch, finally caught those fish because it's just very different, different kind of person does fly fishing versus bass tournament fishing. 
I'd be made fun of because the kind of rod that I have is remember the Andy Griffith show and the opening and Opie's walking down the path with his little bamboo rod. That's, you, that's, can you that's generally that theme, what I use. Can, can you whistle that theme? Uh, no. no, it's been so long since I've seen it. I know it's super famous. I'm failing. That's it. It's hard to whistle. <laughs> it is hard to whistle. Yeah, I've never seen the show. But what? I, Seriously? I, that theme is in my brain from being an American human. It's, it's a classic. You have to watch it. It is good. It holds up today. I mean, it, the themes don't hold up today, but the, the humor definitely holds up today. You know what doesn't hold up? Duke's a Hazard. Just a good old boy. Just, I love that show so much as a kid. And it's on, I think it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime now. All the old original ones. And it just it doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> They're going to have to CGI the hood. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm over that. Just, a, the, just the, the show wasn't as funny as I thought it was. No, and I, I loved that show as a kid. And my mom would never let us watch it because, of course, the bad guys were the good guys. And the good guys were the bad guys. The moonshiners were the good guys. And the mm-hmm. cops were the bad guys. And little did she know that that was just a precursor to today. It's modern. It's right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it was ahead of its time. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and Top got, of the car, not the hood. What yes. And I got one more story. And if there's anyone listening here who has small children or is offended by medical stuff, especially stuff that goes in your body or body parts, uh, this is going to get a little bit uh, dirty because every year, and no. our, every year the defector.com puts out an article called what did we get stuck in our rectums last year and this year there are fish related things and so i thought we might go down the list of things people got stuck in their rectum this year it's bringing back memories yes i know it reminds me of saturday night Uh, (laughs) by the way in fairness the article also shares things stuck in ears did you ever get anything stuck in your ear no it's not as fun in the ear definitely not as fun the ear how about your nose no, nothing. In, I don't think I've ever gotten anything stuck in me. <laughs> I once. Now I can think about it. <laughs> when I was younger, I went camping up in Gettysburg, New York, with my family, and uh, you know, you get you go to little gift shops and you buy little bags of marbles. And mm-hmm. I stuck two marbles in my nose, one in each nose hole. Thought I would be able to blow them out and hit my sister in the oh, head no, with them. Yeah. I couldn't get them out. Nope, I had to get my dad to help. <laughs> what? How? How? Uh, well, so he tried squeezing and pushing, and that just hurt a lot. Uh, so eventually, he just made me like blow as hard as I could and, until they came out. But it took a lot of blowing. My ears felt like they ruptured. My eyes were watering. Oh, my <laughs> and we gosh. eventually got them out. Yeah. So, I, so from that point forward, I put smaller marbles in my nose. No, of course, yeah. Yeah, because I don't learn. Uh, and you're not allowed to play Hungry Hungry Hippos. Definitely not. People got things stuck in the throat, in their... Man and what lady parts, of course. And finally, we're going to go down the list of things people got stuck in their rectum. And I'm only doing this because there is a fish related thing on there. Otherwise, I would skip this. We would never talk about it and speak of it again. It's, I have oh, no that's choice. Too bad. I'm obligated to have this conversation with you, Christopher. Okay. Disclaimer. Got it. Disclaimer. And just, and just uh, FYI, the fish nerds have no official opinion on what one should or should not put into their body it is your body. You do what you want. We have no opinion on it. We are not here to judge what you put in your body. What if I had the question of what 
what's the best fish to what stick up buy? there? Well, we're going to find out. Okay. We're going to find out. And by the way, I do not, in, the fishers do not endorse putting anything alive into your bite. Okay. That's a rule. <laughs> That's where we start judging. I'm All glad right, so you clarified. Here is a list of things, and I'm, I'm just kind of, we're going to just talk about whatever is interesting here. We've got bouncy balls stuck in butts. I can, yeah. I can understand that, yeah. you know. Maybe they want to play a little ping pong. You know? No, shoot it out at a target. <laughs> Multiple marbles. <laughs> Easy enough. Toothbrush case. Crayons. <laughs> you know, maybe they're writing a letter. Dirty. Art. Yeah. That's their art. <laughs> Get a canvas. You're good to go. That's right. And, then, and then some of them are quotes from the doctors. Quote, put a pencil up his rectum and now can't sit. <laughs> You can imagine that nail polish bottle, shaving gel bottle, aerosol container. These are getting bigger. Yeah, no. Uh, here's another one. Patient reports inserting a deodorant spray can inside his rectum last night as he was constipated. I don't. I, so, <laughs> I would think a plunger might be a better choice, but. Yeah, he's, he's embarrassed about what he did to himself, and he had to come up with a story, and that was his story. Mm-hmm. The best he can yep. do. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Hope it helped. Uh, not the one very exact same story using a shampoo bottle because he was constipated. Uh, what kind of way, shampoo? I, I, it must work or so many people wouldn't do it. We don't hear about the success stories. No, we don't. No, so a small foam football, a stick, a screwdriver, <laughs> and the no. handle fell off. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's a bad mojo. Was it Phillips? <laughs> it was a, uh, no, a flathead. Definitely had to be a flathead. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> At least it wasn't the Allen wrench. All right. Uh, here's one. <laughs> this is my, was intoxicated and is uncertain if she used her anal beads or not. Either way, she can't find them. <laughs> None were found in her exam. Oh. So she went to the doctors because she couldn't find these things. Right. Doctor did all the looking. Couldn't find them. Couldn't find them, and she didn't have them in her. So all that embarrassment for nothing. They're in the microwave. <laughs> Definitely in the refrigerator, yeah. <laughs> Freezer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, a pipe. Uh, I'm going to skip the obvious toys that are designed for that job. Uh, apple. And here we go, fish-related item. A toy shark. Okay. That made me have no choice but to read this list to you. <laughs> <laughs> because of the toy shark. It's the only thing I could find to connect this story to the fish nerds. It would be awesome if the toy shark had the squeaker in it. I was just thinking the same thing. He's walking around, he farts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have it removed then. No, in that case, you keep it. Yeah, definitely. Right, you go to the movies, you're all hanging out nice and quiet and popcorn. Mm-hmm. Wait till there's like someone kissing on sta- on the on the on the screen, then squeaky. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's looking around. What's going on? Nothing. No. Squeaky. Excuse me. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> What's that smell? It smells like shark and dead. <laughs> shark and, and plastic. Shark and plastic. The question though, I, I the only thing I wish they had on here is more detail. Yes, I want to know the stories. I, I want the story behind it. I want to know what kind of shark. Was it a hammerhead? Was it a thresher shark? I hope it wasn't a hammerhead. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I got stuck. <laughs> I want to know how big it is. I want to know was it hollow. I want to know to have a squeaker in it, like you said. 
did it have a squirt gun attachment? Because that could be fun. Maybe he worked, he or she worked their way up to a megalodon shark. Very big shark. Maybe, you know, those sharks on a stick, you know, you pull the trigger and oh, the yeah, mouth yeah, yeah, opens yeah. and closes. Maybe it's one of those, you know, and then maybe he has an excuse because maybe he was fixing something and his hands were full and he thought, okay, how can I have a third hand? Yes. Shark on a stick, put it in my butt. Now I got a third hand. I'm going to have that yes. shark steady the thing while my hands turn screws. And you just have to work on your sphincter muscles and you're good to go. You know, a little practice. You know, they say 10,000 hours, you can be an expert at anything. Yeah. So, including. I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> Got to go find those shark toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I can, the list goes on and on. There's, there's, there's probably about 30 more things that people have got stuck in their butts and gone to the doctors for. And there's probably about a thousand more that people got stuck in their butts and never went to the doctors and those things are still there because they're embarrassed. That would be me. I just, I just keep it in there. It would be part of me. Yeah, I'm going to die today. <laughs> <laughs> and that is Fish in the News. That was lovely. Thank you for helping out the news today. No problem. Just a real quick note. You know how, uh, like, people as a kid, we were afraid of quicksand? Yes. And as an adult, you find out that quicksand's not, it's not around. It's not something to be feared of. No, it's disappointing. As a kid, to relate to the shark butt story, as a kid, I'd seen uh, National Geographic or something of the little fish in the Amazon Mm-hmm. I think they're in the Amazon yep. and they'll swim up your, your, your parts. If yep. you pee in the Amazon, you talk about this fish a lot. Do, do, you, do you remember the name of them? I don't remember the name of them, but that was my irrational fear as a kid. Well, cause they're attracted to your urine stream. Yes. Not that I'd go in lots of water to pee. Right. But I just can't imagine what kind of pain that would be. It's called a kanduru. Kanduru, okay. sometimes known as a penis fish. Small Amazonian catfish. It's reported to lodge itself into the urethra of people who may be urinating in the water. So, yep. Not that I had ever gone anywhere near the Amazon to have this irrational fear, but you know, just general lakes and stuff would, would make me wonder if one had escaped on a boat and come over here and now was going to attack me in the water. Well, yeah, I mean, they are really, really scary. And there's also, um, there's also internet rumors about Paku, who will target human nuts as a food source as well. Uh, the Huff Post has re- reported several stories over the last few years with that, with a nut-eating fish about the Paku. Oh, okay. In fact, I wrote an article about it once called Paku Lies, because it's never, ever happened. And Snopes.com stole my headline. <laughs> they used the exact same headline I used, Pacua Lies. And then when I emailed them to get credit for it, they changed their headline. Oh, okay. Rather than give me credit. They can, you know, can't, ta- can't, can't tag the fish nerds. <laughs> you have to be careful with Snopes too, because they're not always correct. Oh, nothing's always correct. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But, but more importantly, they stole my headline. Yes, that, that's bad. That's, that's wrong. Bad. Yeah, that's almost about- as bad as a penis fish. Nothing's as bad as a penis fish. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of penis fish, let's talk about uh, Amy Robeson and John King, the crappy hippie, 
They're with us tonight. They're going to talk all about a mysterious, mysterious new life form they found in a pond. And uh, this is... Hello, Fish Nerd Nation. This is Amy, the Pond Lady, welcoming you to Pond Talk. It's a segment where we investigate the joys and challenges of managing ponds and other small bodies of water. So whether you own a property with a pond on it, have some say as to how a community lake, pond, or stream is utilized, or simply share the dream of having a little bit of water to call your own, you're going to want to join John King, the crappie hippie, and me, freshwater ecologist Amy Robinson, the Pond Lady, for some Pond Talk tonight on Fish Nerd Podcast. Last week, Amy texted me, and she had a great uh, article that was on the uh, IFing Love Science website, and I'm reading through it, and lo and behold, here's her name, and she's been in this uh, Twitter investigation with several other biologists over this organism that was found in a Nebraska sand pit pond. I just to think of a better thing to put on Pond Talk than to get with Amy, and let's talk about this organism, what it is, what it looks like, um, and... Uh, Let's just get right into it right now. All right, Amy, set the scene for us. Where did, you know, what's going on here? Well, I took a look at the picture of this organism. Uh, Clue the listeners in as to what, you know, what we're looking at and and what this could possibly be. Um, Being an audio medium, we're going to need you to give us a picture um, of what all the excitement's about. Go ahead. Okay, so this was a fish kill event that was happening in a sand pit pond. This thing was, like I said, during a fish kill event, there were multiple organisms that were found that had a sort of fractal type growth pattern. And in that, by that, I mean it, that it didn't really have symmetry in any one direction that could be... uh, created if you were to cut this thing down a plane every single way you cut it the other side would look different so this fractalized growth uh this organism they they were anywhere from three to seven inches in in size there were some that were free swimming or free floating there were some that were attached to different pieces of substrate uh roots uh leaves branches. There were quite a few of them that were found and the fish kill event was not attributed to this thing they found at all. Um, But when they responded to the fish kill event to see what the causative agent was, um, they found these things, they were moving on their own. And so, well, actually, of course, I know what fractal uh, uh, shape is because I'm really smart. Um, <laughs> not really, no. So what we're talking about, what I saw in the picture was kind of like roots, a lot of like roots coming mycelium up. Of mycelium, mycelium perhaps, uh, kind of like a right. fan coral. It, 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 it uh, just kind of webby, kind of strange, but without yeah, the uh, body I mean, of it. First thing I, I see when I look at it was slime mold. You know, I'm thinking yes. slime mold. So if our listeners that like to hike and, and ramble in the woods and, and do a little log turning here and there, they, you know, those webby kind of, of mold, familiar but not too familiar, it wasn't exactly like that. Plus, it's in an aquatic right. environment. And while I know when people take and, for example, take wood out of, uh, out of the environment and go put it in their fish tank, sometimes they, they will bring a slime mold home mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. can survive mm-hmm. in an aquatic environment. 
Um, some people grow them as pets. I some mean, people grow. I had a biology teacher that had several, and he had an orange and a yellow and a, I think a white one, and he was always on the hunt for a red one. You have a fish kill, so y'all. Y'all get in on it. We, you see this webby, crazy-looking creature, creature, and it's moving. And it's uh, moving there's now. video of it moving. This is not just biologists that responded that said that they saw it moving. There is documentation, video yeah, documentation. photo, video. Uh, Photos, videos. There were yeah. multiple biologists on site that responded. Now, um, you know, we put it out to the Twitterverse and it just absolutely exploded. And, you know, everybody's weighing in on what the what they think this thing could possibly. OK, be. so what do they think it is? Is it from outer space? I mean, the, OK, do you want to know what the let's let, how about this? Let's go through what the Twitterverse said, because like like you had said, with the growth pattern, this could be anything uh, anything in in terms of uh it, you know we got guesses from is it a a parasite like a some kind of a worm some kind of a uh parasitic cnidarian that we don't know about which if a cnidarian's like a jellyfish and there is an obligate cnidarian parasite of paddlefish and sturgeon eggs that exists in Oklahoma paddlefish. And I'm sure, all, you know, paddlefish throughout the United States have this little jellyfish parasite that lives inside their eggs, but it's tiny and it really never gets bigger than the size of an egg. It does have a free floating stage, but it wouldn't form an aggregate, a collection that would be able to be a, a, act like a single organism like this thing was. And the size of it was confounding because even if it was something like that, it's not anything anybody in that area had ever seen. It's not something I've ever seen in Oklahoma, which, of course, is why I can't stop thinking about it since I found out. You know, um, we also got, you know, is this a lichen? Is this a bladderwort, which is a kind of aquatic plant? Is this a bacteria? Is this an aggregation of bacteria, um, which I don't. You know, people were saying that it wasn't moving on its own. The video was unclear that it looked like things underneath were causing the thing to move. But I actually got a, a, a it's great that we do, we're doing this today because I got a shout out from the aquatic invasive species biologist in Nebraska today that confirmed that absolutely this thing was moving tactile movements on its own when stimulated you know when it was okay. touched okay we're gonna uh talk about yeah the appearance is crazy because i did some research you know my 15 minute google sweep kind of looking this stuff up and i i found out like for example in a slime mold you know it can be just be single little units or they can amalgamate together right to form what looks like one living being talk about that a little bit the you know it it, it could be like one thing like a a bladder wart or a sponge or something, or it could be what you call an aggregate right. organism that it, uh, certain small organisms have come together due to some For sort some of environmental, reason. yes, perhaps yes. environmental stimulus. So what is your favorite so far on the ideas for what it is? Uh, well, until today, I was really convinced that it was an aquatic slime mold me too see that's that's why i'm just tripping out on this now that was being manipulated underneath 
by fish or moved by wind and water eddies just because you can see a little bit of wind in that very first video yeah, I got. Uh-huh. And so I, that I was convinced it was a collection of those two things was, yes, it was a slime mold, but no, it was not moving of its own volition. I, it was just being moved around because of the pond. Now, slime molds can move, but don't they tend to move in response to, um, because what's really turning everybody on is that you've shown that it, it responds to some, you know, tactile, it seems to have some sort of sensitivity, either right. chemi- chemically or quick, quick. Yeah. Quick so response. A quick Not a response. response. And yeah, because like, oh, we say, oh, a slime mold can move, but it, yeah, they're super slow. They're just super responding, slow. trying to move from area to area based on food or, or chemistry or what have you. Right. So, right. but gosh, and we don't, do we dare now a guy like me says, oh, you touch something that moves. It must have some nerves. Now that seems a pretty big stretch. Uh, tell me other reasons why it may move quickly when stimulated by touch. Uh, and that's, that's where it's stumping us is because even the Twitterverse, even this aquatic invasive species biologists, we all agreed that, and in terms of sort of this type of organism, when you say moving slow, it actually moves pretty fast. And they sure, because you can you can watch it move, and for a, you can a slime, you know that's yeah. because a lot of people when they talk about them in their aquariums, they're like, oh, it was on the log in this spot, you know, one day, uh-huh. and then the next next day it was down, at, you know, in the middle, and and so they know they're like, I know it has to be moving, but exactly they they so, don't have the time lapse patience of a machine to 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 uh, record that. And that's what was tripping everybody up is that none of us, even even like the, you know, there are different parts of Twitter, like fungus Twitter and my, excuse me, mycology Twitter, you know, the, 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 the invert Twitter, all these different segments of Twitter were sort of banding together to figure out what this was. And the fungus sort of slime mold enthusiast even said that it didn't matter what sort of species or anything that they were knowledgeable of that would move quick enough that you didn't need time lapse to see it move. Wow. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. Rapid movement. This is something you can see with the eye in in a relatively short time. We will have the the links and so forth to the article uh, with the videos and so on down in the show notes, some pictures, and and we'll get you even some contacts if you really want to do a deep dive on this thing. Yes. But so tell me uh, once again. So when when the uh, professor or the doctor or the researcher, the the gentleman from Nebraska stimulated it and it and it, and it seemed to react. What's going on there? I really don't even know, because, OK, this was his this was his guess was that it was some kind of bryozoan. This is an organism we see usually in Oklahoma that form these slimy balls that either attach to things or free float. I don't know if you've ever seen these. I, I've, the had them. I've had them in the pond and we had some nerds put it on the Facebook fishing group. So Bryozoan, you know, looks like a ball or a glob or, or you know, this thing looks like, like I say, like, like a worm, roots, like, like a, a worm. Yeah. Reaching you know, out, spreading out, moving If you've along. ever seen the, this, you know, this is what I, uh, I had a good, an, an, a good, 
talked to a couple of biologists in the state of Oklahoma, even one of them is, uh, you know, uh, been doing this for most of his life and has lived all, all over Oklahoma because of his job with the state. And he had even said, you know, but he didn't see the video. And he said, that looks like the roots of a tree. Like you, if you would see the the mycelium of tree roots, like in the springtime, sometimes you'll see them on the top of the ground when it's really moist, you see that type of pattern. So to, but you would never think to touch a tree root and have it move. Right. And, and to bring us all up who aren't into mycology, mycelia is the sort of like the root of fungi. It's, uh, you know, sometimes see it, it's a webby, looks like webs or spider webs. You pull up a plant and, and it'll have this webby stuff on it. And, uh, guys, it's the mushroom. non-mushroom part of the mushroom. The, the non-mushroom part of the mushroom that it <laughs> makes the little nodes that the mushroom pops up, and That's uh, the it's simplest com- way. Yet to yeah, say it. yeah, very simple way. Um, but yeah, I saw it attached to like that piece of grass. Um, some of them were attached, and some of some them, them were free, free moving. Yeah. And he um, sent me some more videos today too. So uh, I even have more, now you got more it. videos. You got to keep in touch with that guy because this is setting up just like the movie. Next thing you know, right. he's going to touch it to see if it's going to get It's going to get on his finger, you know, gonna, and then you're going to be, be, it's going to be like the blob. It's going to be on his whole hand <laughs> and he's trying to tweet. And then when he's like, you know, when you see him tweet, A H H H H H. You know, it's, and then, you know, it's, it's over. It's over. And, 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 well, I want, I want it, but that's the thing. I want, I want one. I need one. Like, I I'm <laughs> so upset that you're I don't terrible. have one. You're just like a little kid, you know? I am. <laughs> it, well, but here's another thing, too, is that, okay, let's say this is some kind of weird invasive species we don't know about. Nebraska's not terribly far away, you know? Is this something I need to worry about in my pods? What is this? this right, is- because, it w- okay, so let's get down to the pond lady's best theory. We've had a fish kill event We've had this, obviously, that puts a lot of uh, nutrient into the pond. It, it, um, when we undo living things back to their component parts, uh, that tends to uh, create a rich environment. Um, mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, the, these organisms show up. Talk to me about it, Amy. What's your best guess? Uh-oh, I got I on mean, the spot. I know. This is bad because this is, uh, you're, you're, I mean, like, okay, you're looking at 20 plus years of studying aquatic ecosystems, either through a school, through work, or th- through my own research, or now on, on my own at home, to all of my years growing up in Oklahoma and all kinds of ponds and all kinds of states at different seasons, different times of fertility, you know, different types of ecosystems that the pond is in. And I'm super stumped. That's why I can't stop thinking about it. Because until today, (laughs) Jared and I were just absolutely convinced it was that, like I said, the aquatic slime mold that was being moved around. But I, I don't, I mean, I, are we dealing with a type of slime mold that reacts faster? I just can't think, well, here's another confounding factor. So you talk about the difference between bacteria and things like us. So something that is prokaryotic that doesn't have essentially its DNA in a nucleus. It doesn't have 
there are different types of, of cellular structures with bacteria and with things that are of higher order, including things like, you know, the slime molds that we're talking about, which are eukaryotes and we're eukaryotes. We have membrane bound nuclear nuclear. Um, I'm sorry. Nucleals. We have, <laughs> I think I'm saying it wrong. I'm, I'm so thrilled that I have membrane-bound have- nucleals. I I have always. You if I if I say that wrong, I would be super super embarrassed here. Well, been- I think you're going to be fine because okay, um, you're. Well, I'll just to, let me go back. We're among and say, friends here, young lady. Let's just let's let just me go, go back, back and say bacteria and higher order things, including things like the slime molds and like us have different types of cells. And so when you look under a microscope, you can usually tell if something is of bacteria origin or, you know, say a plant or a slime mold fungus or, you know, like a, a worm or uh, any higher order uh, cell they have different looks under the microscope, of course, since there were no discernible cellular structures. So when they looked at this under the scope, they didn't see what? a nucleus. They didn't see. So it looked more like a bacteria. Bacterial. Okay. But I, there were, oh, and that is one of the guesses that people came up with is, is this an amalgamation of an aggregation of bacteria? Um, but even in my <laughs> experience with bacterial biofilms when bacteria do clump together and form these masses sort of like you know i brew my kombucha which is a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast it's sort of like a sourdough starter it's got natural cultures in there that creates a biofilm sort of like what you would find in a pond between either the substrate and the water at the bottom or the air and the water at the top. There's all kinds of biofilms on plant surfaces and things like that, right? So people, people said maybe this was bacteria that was coming together in these clumps. But in my experience, for the most part, in a short-term event like that, it had only been a, a short period of time the fish kill was occurring, and this stuff was staying together. So in, they were picking it up in a dip net. Because I want to talk about how they're going to eliminate, you know, how are we going to research this? How are we going to, you know, it's a process of elimination, this and that. Yes. So already first you first thing you got me with is they're, they're not finding a nucleus or they're, so they're, they're kind of. Membrane bound organelles. There yeah. we go. Membrane. There we go. Gosh, yeah. my brain. Okay. Yes. Okay. So. Membrane bound organelles. Um, so like a nucleus. Yeah, uh, it's a band from the sixties. Uh, oh yeah. The, you, you look to see that you look to see, is it eukaryotic? Is it prokaryotic? So now, you know, and you're going to go back and forth. A good researcher always keeps that open mind and, and it doesn't mind. Keeps that nice flexibility because... Well, and if you think about this too, if we don't know what it is, it's kind of hard to know how to preserve it. Right. And and um, and how to prepare it, how to stain well, it or right. fix it or... But then again, the, the luxury here is that at least in this pond, you've been able to capture several specimens. So it's not like you're dealing with the last butterfly on earth or something where you're, that's true. But if you don't have the sample and you screw it up, then you can't get more uh, resource. From what I know about slime, like slime molds, Mm -hmm. they can be episodic. 
sort of like your your uh, columnaris issue. Right. So right. it can be very short lived. Well, maybe see, they won't be able to find him again for a long time. That's I the thing. Know. That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried this is going on, you know, all the time. And it's only because it was a cool weather fish kill as opposed to say on a hot summer day, you know, where maybe it would, would bloom and then just burn. But out they really still quickly. did think. Or they may not be associated at all. I mean, you've already- I, it, that's right. We are. This is sort of a causation, correlation, causation. Do we don't necessarily know they're related? We're assuming they are because the we- landowner had never seen anything like this in the pond after. I, I I don't know how long they've owned it, but but yeah, this is a definite mystery that has just become a little bit more convoluted. Yeah, it's really a profound mystery. I know also one of the ways that researchers find out what something is, is to figure out what it's not. Yes. And, and so can we can we grow it on a plate or, you know, like, can we grow it at all? Can we keep it alive? How, I mean, I, I don't know. That's kind of like, I, I'm glad we're talking about this. I'm glad it's going to go out to the the podcast nation maybe will generate enough buzz that somewhere in this country or another country somebody's seen this thing before or they know what it is or they can reach out to us because well, let's hope they, they yeah please reach out if, if you're hearing this and and uh, we do have listeners all around the world believe it or not and because um, uh, it's fascinating to me so far it doesn't seem to be an alien that's destined to take over the earth <laughs> Although this uh, fingers professor, crossed. fingers crossed, and Amy's going to keep an eye on the gentleman from Nebraska, so he starts acting weird and talking about wanting to uh, assume world power, or mm-hmm. he starts having some sort of uh, radioactive superpowers or something. She will know. She'll be the first one to know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but seriously, on the serious side, thanks for sitting down with me tonight and and talking this over because when you put that up there. It's one of those things that even a person on my level of scientific knowledge can get in on because I was just like you. I'm like, slime old, got to be. And now, what can it be? Yeah, even with the bacteria idea, if we don't have any, uh, let's say this isn't a decomposition issue, like that the the structures are so decomposed that they can't be seen under the scope. And that's just why they're having problems seeing like a nucleus or any of the other organelles would distinguish that from something that was a bacteria or not a bacteria, like a slime mold. And so it's one of those things that if it was bacterial in nature, even then, would it be able to move on its own accord that fast? I mean, obviously, we know bacteria move and they are responsive, but can they form something that looks like a multicellular organism and then move on its own? So it's, it seems like, like you said, every avenue you go down something doesn't quite add up so we we are gonna have to play process of elimination and i hope those guys get a sample that's fresh enough that it's not just a decomposition thing you know because i mean like you know how this is being a fisherman how quickly things break down in water and or break down because they got taken out of water yeah 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 exactly what eat there's there's both sides of that so it, it's 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 fantastic i haven't stopped thinking about it since then and well that's that's fantastic that's why you're uh where you belong among the nerd friends because and it's great that all this took place on twitter because that's actually how we got doc for the show is that clay and, and doc started 
Twitter tweeting about fish and fish species and fish oh, tinctures. I, and I this whole community of scientists uh, blowing it up on Twitter is fascinating to me. Fascinating to me. It moves fast, too. That's why I like Twitter a lot, because it's uh there's so many people on there and just the nature of twitter as a platform in general it does move very quickly you've got to keep up if you want to engage with people or else you'll get drowned out real quick so um but that being said it, it it because it does move quickly you can put something out there like that and i mean like within 24 hours we were getting contacted by ifl science so that's a pretty, pretty, pretty broad reach for somebody like me that's got a fairly small account. And, you know, I never expected to be, uh, you know, for somebody that's a huge fan of that, that site in general, I thought that was really awesome to be featured. I was feeling a little extra famous that day for sure. So well, I, we're uh, so proud of you. And we put it up on the Facebook fish nerd group. And, well, and uh, I will send you all of the information yeah. so that we can put it on the website for people who are interested and, uh, yeah, or the show notes, wherever it shows up show I, notes and wherever uh, else. All right. Well, good. so what we got is a new organism, perhaps, uh, something a oh, lot no. of scientists haven't seen before. Uh, scientists are trying to figure out what exactly it is or might be uh, just turned up. Anyway, the wonderful pond lady was in on this. She's still in on it. It's still tearing up the Twitter zone uh, in the scientific geek community. But Amy says, we don't think it's an alien. We don't think it's going <laughs> to take over the world. We don't but, think the guy's going to end up like the blob. But what? I will say that just goes to show that you never know what you're going to find in your pond. There you go. You never know what you're going to find in your pond, and that's for sure. All right, this has been Pond Talk with crappie hippie or tree-hugging redneck from eastern Kansas, having a good time as usual with Amy Robeson, the pond lady. See you next time. Peace out. Bye, guys. All right, thanks, crappie hippie and pond lady. Christopher, what do you think about that uh, crazy story? I'm blown away. Oh, anyway. It's uh, about as weird as penises that or not penises, but fish that <laughs> all you can think about is penises now. I know. I'm just I, I have a 12 the, year old boy here. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, thank you so much for uh, helping me out tonight on the Fish Nerds podcast. We're going to uh, wrap the show up right now. and I'll do that. So that's it. You've listened to a bunch of fish nerds when you should have been fishing. Special thanks to the crappy hippie in the pond lady for uh giving us that great story. Big thanks to Christopher DeVos, who makes the podcast for, it's called Podcast 42, right? Podcast 42, and I also do the Podfix Presents Mixtape. Mixtape, which is just kind of a bunch of collections of Podfix shows? Yes, and me just rambling in between them, like a radio DJ. Which way we do. That's how we roll. Yep. All right, and uh, big, big thanks to uh, Wally Pleasant for our opening theme music. And big thanks to Diane's Bath Salts for our news theme music. Okay, so until next time, follow the code of the fish nerds, spawn early and often, never trust a free lunch of strings attached, and swim against the current every chance you get. Christopher, where can people find your podcast? We are everywhere. If you listen on a certain podcast thing, we're, we're there. Just uh, type in podcast 42 probably scroll down to the third or fourth one because usually anybody who's labeled their episode number 42 will come up and then it'll be us. Perfect. 
And 42, is that a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference? It is a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference for life, the universe, and everything, which kind of gives us an open uh, forum to talk about everything. I know stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Great books. Awesome. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean, casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds. You can sing along if you want. Fish nerds. It's, it's a, a podcast. podcast. Just for the hell. Yeah, I played this promo last week. Uh, like for four weeks. Like you're in Siam, fish nerds. And on the mixtape, too. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast.